Amen. Cool. Well, this morning I'm uh, just going to continue on with something that I feel God's got on my heart um, as a church. Um, I want to bring everything back to the centrality of Christ. I want to make him the focus of what we do and why we do stuff because uh, uh, he's the one that we're ultimately following. He's the one that we are going to be uh, living life with in and through life itself as well. So uh, I just want to talk about why people follow Jesus. For me, it's fairly clear, you know, but I think that sometimes we uh, can lose track of why we would follow Jesus. I love to go on the park run on a, uh, a Saturday morning. That's a, a community-run event. It's run by volunteers and uh, starts at 8 a.m. every Saturday morning at the back of the, uh, uh, the council chambers uh, out on the Laratinga wetlands area. And uh, what they tell you is uh, there's a briefing at the start of every run. Every Saturday morning, there's the same briefing that's given. And part of that briefing is that they tell you uh, where you need to go uh, to be able to complete this five-kilometer run. Or you can go for a walk if you like, and there are people that do that. There are people that run with babies in pushes, and, and there's people that run with dogs. There's kids that beat me, and I tell you, you just want to ankle tap those ones, but... Um, <laughs> No, you don't. You want to bless them and push them forward. That's great. But they, they give you the same uh, briefing every Saturday morning, and they tell you that it's an out-and-back course. So what that means is that where you start from is where you're going to finish. But halfway out, two and a half kilometers at the other end of this particular pathway, there's a flag in the middle of the pathway, and you run around that flag, and then you run back. Later on uh, in April, uh, my wife and I, Jane, we're going to be going overseas and uh, it's my goal to actually do a park run in the town that I was born in, in England, a town called Haywards Heath. Now I've done some research and I've looked up on the Park Run Global website because they do park runs in a lot of countries around the world that they do have a particular park run there. And I've got to tell you, the first time that I go out on this park run, I'm not going to be doing anything else apart from following the person that's in front of me. That's all I'm going to do. Because, and I'm going to hope that they're a part of the park run. <laughs> because if they're not, things could get messy and Jane may never see me again. So, but isn't it important though when we are following someone that we know who we're following and where they're going? I think it's so important in life, uh, not just for a park run, but in life itself. And if we're going to be following someone, we know who we're following and really why we're following them. It's really important that we drill down on those things. You know, sometimes Christian is one of the most misused words in the English language. And people who call themselves Christians misuse it just as badly as anybody else. Many in our culture would say that they are a Christian. They believe that there is a God and that they try to live good lives. However, is that really what a Christian is? We need to help all people, even true believers, to understand that being a Christian is not just a title or a label that we give someone or that we give ourselves. It is someone who we are and it's something that we do. We believe in Jesus, so we follow Jesus. Okay? Could it be that a real Christian is someone 
that is truly following Jesus and seeking to become like Jesus. Part of our vision statement as a church incorporates this phrase that we are becoming passionate followers of Jesus. Passionate followers of Jesus. And that passion has got nothing to do with the personality type because an introvert can passionately follow someone or something just as much as an extrovert can. It's got nothing to do with personality. It's got everything to do with I'm, I'm set my course and I'm going to follow this particular course with the passion that I have as a person. So is a Christian someone who passionately follows Jesus? Not in sinless perfection because... I'd be discounted straight from the start, okay, because I wanted to ankle tap kids. So that discounts me from being a Christian, obviously. But there's this thing where, you know, we're just following Christ in the best way that we know how. And and, and sometimes, you know, it's just boiling down to the fact that we just want to follow Jesus because we recognize in him that there's something that attracts us to do that. Yes, we serve in church, we give, we maybe go to a connect group. But who are we most involved with? And I want to put it out there today that it's got to be Jesus. It's got to be God that we're most involved with. We're into Jesus. He is the center of all that we do. He's the focal point. Jesus came to actually make the complicated simple. He cut through all of the rules and the regulations to get to the relationship so that everyone could have a chance to understand and to embrace him. And his message can be summed up in two very simple words. And those words are, follow me. After the resurrection on a lonely beach, one morning Jesus, he's sitting on the beach and he's talking with Peter And Jesus loves and encourages Peter. Then he tells him the way that Peter's actually going to die. And then Jesus comes to the greatest piece of wisdom that he can ever give to Peter and to us this morning. John chapter 21 verse 19 says, Jesus said this to show by what kind of death that he would glorify God. Because he's talking to Peter. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Peter instead of saying, yes, Lord, I'm, I'm fully on board with this, looks over his shoulder and sees that there's the apostle John. The disciple John is following behind. And Peter says to Jesus, what about him? And this is what we will do quite often in life as well. When Jesus says something to us, he, he talks to us about doing something. We look over our shoulder and we say, well, what about everybody else? And just like Jesus, we need to hear the words that Jesus gave to Peter when Peter has turned and said, what about John? What's he? Jesus just simply says, don't worry about him. All you need to do is to follow me. We don't get caught up in how other people are living or how other people are following Christ. All we've got to do is to follow Christ. We need to follow Christ. Sure, other people may be able to help us along the way, but I'm not following other people, and I need to concern myself with how I'm following Christ. That's my responsibility. So why do people follow Jesus? Why do people follow Jesus? Let's have a look at Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 to 25. It says this, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. 
And then his fame went out through all of Syria, and they brought to him all the sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. It says great multitudes followed Jesus. People followed Jesus for different reasons, and they do the same today. People follow Jesus for all sorts of reasons. So why do people follow Jesus? There's four basic groups, and there's probably heaps more that you could think of, but these are four that I just came up with in readiness for this morning. The first reason that people followed Jesus was for the miracles. They just saw these miracles that were happening in Matthew 14, verses 35 to 36. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched him were healed. See, people followed Jesus because of the miraculous things that were happening around Jesus. So they followed him because when they followed Jesus, they saw these miraculous things happen. And they were believing for themselves or for their friends that the miraculous Miraculous things were going to happen for them. So they followed Jesus for the miracles. In Matthew 15, verses 30 to 31, it says, Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the cripple made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised God. People followed Jesus for the excitement. They, they, they followed him from all the things that they could get out of him. And it's the same today. Many followed Christ just for what they can get out of Christ. It may be the miraculous, but it's all about them receiving a blessing. So when the blessings are flowing, they follow Christ. But when the blessings aren't flowing, then they stop following Christ. That's probably the people down at the other church in, in, the, in the community. It wouldn't be anyone here I know. But sometimes, sometimes they're just following him for the miraculous. So if we're following Jesus for the miracles, can I say, that's a really good start. I commend you for following Christ for the miraculous things. But don't just stop at the miraculous things there. Do it because you want to get closer to Christ and understand the God of the miracles, not just the miracles themselves. Amen? Secondly, they followed Jesus out of simple curiosity. They just wanted to have a sticky beak. That was it. They just wanted to have a part the curtains, have a look. Oh, that's Jesus. Close the curtains, and they were good. See, in, in the time of Jesus, there was no TV, there was no radio, there was no internet. But news traveled just as quick. Anyone who came to to find out about Jesus, they wanted to find out more about him. What's all this fuss about Jesus? Who is he? What is he saying? The things that are going on around about. They'd heard of Jesus healing the sick, raising the dead, and they came to see for themselves. The curious don't want to commit themselves. They just want to see what's going on. They're the the fringe dwellers, the people that sit on the edges, that that just want to have a look and a a bit of a, a, a find out what's going on. And if we're following Jesus out of curiosity today, can I tell you something? That's a great start. That's a really good place to start from. Just like in the miraculous, 
If we're just following Christ out of simple curiosity, then find out more about Christ in that curiosity. What is it about him that's drawn you to him? What is it that he's saying that's, that's attractive to you? What is it that he's doing in the community around about? What is Christ doing that causes the creator, this curiosity to be aroused in you? And find out more. Draw closer and go on an investigation for yourself. Don't just take the word of other people for it. It's a great place to start, but go a little bit deeper this morning. Amen? Third reason is that they followed Jesus because they hated him. They did. It's the truth. People hated Jesus. There were Pharisees in Jesus' day that absolutely hated Jesus. In Mark 12, verses 12 to 13, it says... Then they looked for a way to arrest him because they knew he had spoken the parable against them. But they were afraid of the crowd, so they left him and went away. And later they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. Why? Because if they could catch him slipping up or saying something wrong, they would kill him. That's how much they hated him. Not everyone who heard Jesus' message actually received that word. And, And see... See, Jesus has been loved and he's been hated by people. But when someone gives their heart to Christ, I've got to tell you, not everybody's happy about it. When Jane and I came to faith many, many years ago, Jane's parents came along to the church to check out the church. Like she, she came along, she wanted to find out about this church that we'd, we'd gotten involved with. And one thing led to another and she became a Christian too. Then her, her father. I remember because of, of the things that we were saying and we were going along to church, there was one evening uh, around the dinner table because we talked about believing and healing and stuff like that, that Jane's father actually chased Jane around the kitchen with a knife going to say he was going to cut off her finger to see if Jesus would heal it. It's the truth. It's an absolute true story. He came to church and he's a Christian now too. And he has all his fingers and so does Jane. <laughs> but not everyone is happy when you come to Christ. It, it stirs people up. It, it, it gets people riled. It, it upsets some people because they were really happy with the old you. That it was, you know, like you're, you're, you're happy to do everything that they say, you know, live your life how they wanted you to live your life. How dare you have a thought for yourself But then when you come to Christ and you suddenly walk in the freedom that Christ brings you and you start to live a life and you have your your perception opens up and your your life becomes more expressive and more open and you see that there's a spring in your step, not everybody's happy about that. Some people hate you for it. Some people hate Christ because of who he is and what he represents. In, uh, In Matthew chapter 12 verses 11 to 13, we see this story. Unfold. A man has a shriveled hand in a synagogue that Jesus was in. And it was the Sabbath day and people were watching to Jesus to see if he was going to heal this man. You see, for someone to work on the Sabbath was wrong. It was God's day. It was a day of rest, not work. But before Jesus says or does anything to this man, he talks to the religious leaders in that room and he, they're sitting down watching him because they're watching him to see if he's going to do anything on the Sabbath. They want to see if he's going to work. And this is what it says in Matthew 12, 11 to 13. Jesus said to them, he's talking to the religious leaders. He says, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? Listen to this. 
How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore, if it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath, then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored, just as the other one was. How much more valuable are people than sheep? And Jesus says to those that are watching him, if you would show a similar act of kindness that you do to sheep, how much more important is it to show similar kindness to the one who's made in the image of God? That these guys, they hated him for what he said to them and the way that he actually healed this man from this shriveled hand. Because in verse 14, it says this, but the Pharisees went out and they plotted how they might kill Jesus. You see, people followed Jesus because they hate him. They loved him. They were curious. Okay, they followed him because of the miracles. But they followed him also because they hated him. Then there's the last group, because they loved him. They loved Jesus and they followed him. Some saw who Jesus was. They heard his words of life and they came to the conclusion that he could only be the son of God. Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And then in verse uh, 16 of Matthew 16, Simon Peter answers, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And in in John chapter 6, verses 66 to 69, it says, from this time on, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And you didn't want to leave too, do you? He says, you don't want to leave too, do you? And Jesus asked the twelve. And Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. There was something about Christ that just drew them to him. And they loved him. Today, many follow Jesus because they've had their hearts opened up to the fact that Jesus is our Savior. He is the only begotten Son of God who died for us, who gave his life because he loves us. And that's the response that we have behind that is because we're going to follow Christ because he loves us first. So why exactly are we following Christ? Why are we following Jesus? I'm glad you've asked this morning. Jesus has extended an invitation to us all to walk with him, to follow him in life. We get to follow Jesus. We don't have to follow him. We actually get to follow him. There's a big difference. You don't have to do anything. But I, I love it that God gives us the invitation. He says, you know what? You can follow me if you want. He, followed, you know, like he said this to the disciples. Follow me. The, the thing that always you know, just blows my mind is that they just left everything and followed him. Why? Because there was something about Christ. And I, I've asked myself this. Why do I follow Christ this morning? And I've had a, a few days to think this over. And here's some reasons that I personally follow Christ. The first reason is the love of God. He knows everything there is about me. He knows every thought that I have. He knows the way that I live my life. He knows the way that I drive my car and the way that I want to ankle tap kids on the park run and he still loves me. (laughs) He still loves me. He still loves me. He still accepts me. He still blesses me. He still encourages me. He still strengthens me. He still heals me. Knowing everything there is about me, the Bible says that nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. It's because of the love of God that I follow Christ. 
In Jeremiah 31 verse 3, it says, The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. With an everlasting love. There's no end to the love of God. It's an everlasting love. See, many of us here carry baggage in our lives. Things that we regret. Things that we wish never happened. Things that we wished we'd never said. Things that we wished had never been done to us or said to us as well. Yet with all of our baggage, knowing everything there is about us, Jesus still loves us. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 4 to 5 says this, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Can I tell you right this, this morning? Christ looks at you as though you had never sinned because of Jesus. If you've given your heart to Christ, he looks at you and he says you are holy and you are blameless because of what Christ has done. Just let that think, let sink in for a minute. He looks at us without fault, without blame, holy and righteous this morning. See, being in a relationship with Jesus is a two-way street. He enjoys us and he wants us to enjoy him. That's why I'm following Jesus, because of his love. And it's because of his love that, number two, the reason I followed Jesus, not only because of the love of God, but because he's changed my life. I'm not who I was. I'm not yet who I'm going to be. I'm in a process of change. God has changed my life. I remember too well what I was like before Christ. I don't want to go back to that way of life. Because Jesus has changed my life. I'm a brand new creation. It says that in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Check out the new me. That's, this is pretty good, I've got to tell you. I'm pretty happy with this. Mate, Jane, this is all right. And you're all right too. You're a new creation. Before Christ, I was self-focused. I was self-centered. But Jesus helped me to see others and to, to see their pain, but also their potential and to try and help people more. To get beyond myself. Because of Jesus, I'm accepted and I'm loved. That changes your life. Can I tell you something this morning? Okay. Jesus has changed my life so much that the man who raped me when I was 15 years of age, today I can stand before you and say that I've forgiven that man and harbor absolutely no malice or harm wanting to come to that man. It's the change life. He changes your life. I want to say, though, that in that change, that took a long process. It was not an overnight thing. It was something that I had to walk through and journey and process in, in, in my Christian walk. In knowing who Christ was and who he created me to be. It wasn't a quick fix. I'm not, so I don't like to just say that flippantly. What you got there is probably 5 or 10, 15 years of solid work with the Holy Ghost and, and people talking and, and just getting to know who God was. But he's changed my life. He's changed my life. And he can change your life. Many people here could testify to a changed life this morning. That's why we're following him. Because he's done something with their life. He's changed their mind, changed their thought processes. 
What is it about Jesus that helped me to forgive that man? The simple fact was that Jesus had forgiven me of all the stuff I'd done. How could I treat him differently than Christ would treat me? Because it says in, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, this is a really good one, okay? So you ready for this? Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. It's their get-out-of-jail-free card. And that really ticks us off. Because we want to get revenge. We want to get even because they did this and that to me and they said this and that to me. So I want to get even. I want to get, you know. But when we let go of that stuff, and that's hard. I don't, I don't like, downplay anything that's happened to anybody here. What you may have suffered was horrendous in that time. And it may have scarred you and wounded you. But are we following Jesus and allowing him to, to lead our lives so that he can change our life? Because if we harbor on, hang on to that stuff and harbor that, that ill will, that bitterness, I've got to tell you, I think someone said, I hope I get this right. Having unforgiveness in our hearts is like us drinking poison hoping that the person who hurt us gets sick. It's just not going to work. We've just got to let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Forgive that person. And that's not a one-off event. Forgiveness is not a one-off event. And that's another message in itself. But it's an ongoing thing that happens. See, I follow Jesus because he loves me. And I follow Jesus because he changed my life. But I also follow Jesus... Because I want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven to be with Jesus and for my family to be there too. Because I'm following Jesus, I want to be where he is. And if Christ is with the Father in heaven, I want to be in that space. You know, whilst we don't talk a great deal about heaven and hell in this church, and that's not because I've just avoided the subject, it's just because... I haven't preached on it. Maybe I will one day. Maybe I'm doing it today. I don't know. But, you know, it's obvious from the Gospels that Jesus knew that there was a literal hell and heaven. And if I'm honest today, there's just a little bit of me that just doesn't want to go to hell. Just a little bit in me that doesn't want to go to hell. I'm, I'm, I'm being honest with you, okay? But I don't want to, to go to heaven because of the fear of going to hell. I want to go to heaven because I'm following Jesus and he loves me and he's changed my life. It's pretty easy. I, I don't know what that's about, but that's about that. John 14 verses 1 to 3 says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my father's house... There are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may also be where I am. I want to go to heaven. That's why I'm following Jesus. I've got to believe and follow Jesus because I want to be where he is. So let's follow Jesus and I encourage us and, and pray for and love as many people as we can into heaven as well. Let's populate heaven, church. 
Number four, I follow Jesus because he has a purpose for my life. My life has meaning. It has purpose. And I know that God has given me that. I can wake up each morning knowing that God has a purpose for my life. You know what? Jesus had a purpose in his life. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. That's why he was here. That's his purpose. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. That's why he was here. He was also here for, because Luke 4, verses 18 to 19 says, that the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus had purpose. And I have too. Jesus said to me that I am going to be uh, receiving power when the Holy Spirit comes on me and I'm going to be a witness. My purpose in life is to be a witness. Do you know what that word witness means? It means martyr. Really? I'm going to stop praying that one. It comes from the Greek word being meaning martyr. That's the Greek meaning of that word witness. In other words, I'm giving my life up for this faith. I'm giving my life up to Christ so that he can use me and so that I can show the world around about the love of God and it's not about me. That's why I pick up my cross daily and follow after him because when I do that, because I'm seeking to follow after him, all of a sudden I find that purpose in life that God's given to me. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be witnesses in our world. Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 to 20 says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything. I've got purpose. I've got to go. I've got to make disciples. See, this is what we're going to talk about on Wednesday night. How do we make disciples? I know I've got a bit of an idea, but how do we make disciples? More to the point, have I made any disciples? It's a challenging question, isn't it? Making disciples of all nations. We, 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 think, we just a cop out. So, oh, well, we just got to go to the countries and do that. No, what Jesus was saying was this was no longer just for the Jews. This is nations. It, 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 the, the Greek word is ethnos, meaning where we get the root of our ethnicity. If all people of every race, tongue, color. It's not just about the Jews anymore. It's about the whole world. Christ is saying to us, get out into our world. And no matter what they look like, no matter what they sound like, no matter what they smell like, let's talk to them about Christ. In other words, we've got to represent, represent. We've got to represent Christ to our world in a way that they see that he loves them, he forgives them, he wants to embrace them, and he wants to, to, to just give them uh, his life. John 14, 12 says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do even greater things than I've been doing. Uh, you'll do great stuff. Okay, that's up on the thing there. I just lost my way. That's cool. We're just following Jesus because... 
He has a purpose for our lives. And lastly, Jesus has set me free. He set me free. He's, he's set me free. He, he, he's taken the bungee cord off and I've gone flying forward into all of his purposes. I had no way of conquering the sin in my life. I've tried and tried, but to no avail. You know what? I turned over so many new leaves, I look like Sherwood Forest. That's a dad joke just for you. All right. I realized I can't change on my own power. That's why I follow Jesus, because he set me free. John chapter 8, verses 34 to 36, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I followed Jesus because he set me free. I may still struggle with sin, but there's still a grace that's on my life. God's made available to me to say no to sin and yes to Christ. Romans 6 verses 5 to 7 says, If we've been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that, we, uh, that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. We've been set free, church. You've been set free. I've been set free. It's one of the reasons I follow Jesus. I have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of me and the word of God to stand upon. That's why I follow Jesus. He doesn't leave me to my own devices. He's given me the grace and the power to live a life that's been marked out for me. That's why I follow Jesus. For too long in my life, I've run from God and his truth. Now I'm running into God, running for him, running towards him, and I'm following him wherever he leads me. Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 to 25 says, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for, my, for me will find it. In the final analysis, the Christian life is not about me. It's about God and bringing glory to God. And all I've done is to simply put a few thoughts together about why I follow Christ. Can I encourage you this week? Let's just stand for a minute. I'm, this is done. I just want to encourage us this week. Why are you following Christ? Why are you following Christ? Is it for the miracles? For curiosity? Is it because you love Him? Or because you hate Him? It's a, it's a fact that some of us can get really ticked off with God. You know what? He didn't answer the prayers that we've been praying in the way that we thought he should answer those prayers. And that can leave a mark on a person's heart. Why did this happen? Why did that happen? I, we, I've prayed that. I've, I've shouted at God in my back garden. I've shaken my fist at God. I just, I just got down and dirty. I just... Open my heart and I let the anger and I let the frustration out. I also look for a really dark cloud on the horizon just in case because I needed to run inside because of the lightning strike. But seriously, just got honest. 
just got honest. And sometimes we're asking the wrong question. It's not why did this happen to me? Why didn't you answer this prayer? The question needs to be, Lord, what are you trying to show me about your nature and your character because of this? Help me to see you in a way that I've never seen you before, that in this moment of hurt, of crisis, of anguish and frustration, of anger, help me to see you in a new way. Because if I am left to answer this question of why did you let this happen, then I'm never going to discover who you are in a meaningful way. And I know that maybe that there's some people here this morning You've got that same question in your heart. And you're ticked with God. Why did you let this happen? Heavenly Father, in this moment, in this moment, I would ask you to help us to subtly change that question to the question of, Lord, would you help me to see a different aspect of your nature and your character so that I can know you more. I believe that you are the Lord of all, that you are glorious, you did so much in this world. And something that's happened in my life recently, today, maybe yesterday, maybe last year, maybe 10 years ago, it's, it's really hurt. I've got questions in my heart. And I don't have answers. So, Lord, would you help me to see your nature and your character as a result of what I went through? And would you bring healing into that moment? Would you set me free to worship you in a whole new way, to experience you in a whole new way? Father, I thank you for your presence today, and I pray over everybody, Lord, a release of your healing, a release of your presence, a release, Lord God, frustration of just letting it go of the anger letting it go unclenching our fist ungrinding our teeth when we think about you and what you've done that knot in the pit of our stomach lord we let that go we ask you to come and to bring healing and wholeness into us lord god the condemnation that we might feel because of the way that we may have lived our lives lord we let that go this morning and we ask you that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you'd bring healing and you'd bring love and you'd bring purpose and you'd bring a changed life and you'd bring freedom, Lord God. Bring it now in Jesus' wonderful name. And Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.